or um, watching a, a film, I don't want to know what happens at the end until I get to the end. Some people like when they read a book, they like to read the last chapter so they know what happens at the end or maybe find out what happens at the end of the film before they begin to watch the film in the first place. You know, when it comes to eschatology, the end times, I think people can easily fit into two categories. They can even fit into the category of um, saying, I don't know, I don't really care what happens at the end of the world. I'm just going to enjoy life as it is and I'm going to hope that nothing happens to me at the end and I die and, and that's it. I don't really want to know what happens. Other people fit into the second category and they want to find out everything that's going to happen at the end so they can get ready and prepared. Well, today I'm starting a series. I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, I thought it might be two, could be three. I'm not too sure. I'm looking at the end. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer today and ask that your Holy Spirit will come in power today. We know he is already here. And we ask now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will again begin to open our ears, preparing our hearts and giving us understanding of your word. We pray, God, that you will indeed be honoured and glorified today. Lord, I pray again, realising that it's out of weakness that I speak, not out of strength. And so, Lord, we pray now that your strength will come. Upon Kim as she signs, upon myself as I speak. That the glory will be yours and yours alone. No one can say that was a message that was given by Jerry Sandy, Lord. We don't want to hear that name, but we want to hear and remember the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, will you please come and will you please speak in Jesus' name. Amen been quite a while since I read Luke 17. You may have forgotten what I've read. Let me just read some of the verses to you again. Um, Once having been asked by a Pharisee when the kingdom of God will come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. You know, there's been many kingdoms in our history. I mean, we live in the UK, we live in the United Kingdom. And the United Kingdom used to be the, one of the most powerful kingdoms in our history. We used to rule most of the known world. There were ships sailing from the UK. And ships sailing with the Pilgrim Fathers to discover America. We have colonies over in Africa and in India and, and in China, and, and, and these areas were, were ruled by this nation, this small island called the United Kingdom, ruled so much of the known world at the time. Our navy was, was powerful. 
and to be reckoned with. But it may shock you that the Bible does not speak about the British kingdom. In fact, the Bible speaks about other kingdoms. It might speak about the Babylonian kingdom or the Assyrian kingdom or even the Roman kingdom. But actually, there's one kingdom that the Bible really is concerned about. Back at school when I was um, a, a young man, I, I used to love history. And I used to study history at A-level. It was something that really fascinated me. But as I studied history and I learned about different nations and different powers, books were written about so many great men. But historians tend to not write about the kingdom of God. That's one kingdom that historians refuse to write about. And so Jesus had a question put to him. And so my first heading is choosing the king. So here was a man who came up to Jesus and he said once he was asked by a Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come. This Pharisee, this religious man, he, he, he comes to Jesus and and then he says, Lord, you know, um, I've been looking into these things. I'm a, I'm a religious man. I'm a Pharisee. I want to know when the kingdom of God will come. Some people are really interested in this topic. It seems that even non-Christians can be interested in this subject. And so we have Hollywood making films. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was in a film called The End of Days. You have films called The Apocalypse. Or a few years ago, there was a film that came out called 2012, which spoke about the destruction of the earth. Everybody seemed to be interested, making blockbuster films about how the world will end. And religious people tend to like talking about it because they feel that they're quite safe. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Another version will say this, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus was saying. Now, in order for you to have a kingdom, you have to have what? Anyone can guess? In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a, you have to have a king. If you're going to have a kingdom, you're going to have to have a king. So when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, the person who has the king within him had to say to himself, had to talk to himself and say, self, get off the throne. Self, you are no longer king of this life. Self, you must sit down. Someone else is going to be king in your place. Self, you're going to have to shut up 
and submit because the king is going to be the creator of heaven and earth. The king is going to be the sustainer, the redeemer, the lord of glory. He is going to be king of me. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, that person had to talk to himself and say to themselves, self, sit down, shut up, and submit to the king of glory. Sadly, this is not the case. You see, so many ask Jesus to save them from hell, He asked Jesus to save them from judgment. He asked Jesus to save them from the grave. Then he'll ask him to leave. Jesus, you're needful in some areas. You can come back every now and again when I need you. But in the majority of my life, I'd like you to be on a sideline cheering me on. But be on a sideline. I don't want you to take the throne in my life. I don't want you to be king in my life. I want you to be a part of my life, but being a king, I don't like that because I like my rule. And that is what many people say. Now, you have to ask yourself, if that person who says that, are they really in the kingdom? Do they really have a king in their lives? Years ago, when I was very young, I squeezed into a basketball team. Crystal Palace was um, looking for young players, and I, I wasn't much good, but somehow I squeezed in. I was at the 15th player, squeezed in. And I remember the coach turned around, and, and he said to all these boys, and there were some really talented boys on the team, he said to them, I'm your coach, he says. If you don't turn up to practice, you're not playing. And if you do not listen to my coaching, you're off the team. All the boys are like, yeah. Who that guy? I want to be in this team. And and, and I understand, I understood that. I understood that the coach is the one who who calls the shot. I understood that. Now we come to the kingdom of God, and Jesus says that he has to be king. First commandment: you shall have no other God but Besides me, says the Lord, I have to be the number one in your life. And if you're going to be in my kingdom and allow me to rule, then you have to submit to my authority. That makes perfect sense to me. Perfect sense. And yet, unfortunately and sadly, we have too many so-called believers who come to Christ and say, listen, I will take what I want from you, but I don't want you to be king. So one of my first points I want to bring across to you today, I want to prepare you for the end. And as I prepare you from the end, the best way to be prepared for what's coming down the road, the best way to to be prepared is to say, Lord, be king of my life. Self, you've made a mess anyway. I'd like you to put your hand. Anyone put their hand? I've done a good job in my life by myself. I'm sure 
No one would dare say that. You know, I, I got on drugs on my own. I got drunk on my own. I done the wrong things in relationship. I done it all by myself. Self had let me down time and time again. But I want to tell you this morning, there's a king who will never let you down. And a king who will guide and rule and lead your life only if you submit to his authority and to his kingship. There's a story in the Old Testament when the Israelites, they didn't, they didn't want God to be king. So they turned around and said to their leader, Moses, Moses, we don't want to have God as our king. We want to be like the other nations around us. We want you to set up a king for ourselves. And God said to Moses, Moses, give them what they ask. They haven't rejected you as king they rejected me and ever since that day Christians, churches believers often reject the king of glory as king and so choosing the king, that's the first thing Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you and if it's going to be within you then there must be a king reigning in that place I'm praying this morning that some of you are being challenged. Even as I speak, some of you are saying, Lord, yeah, Jerry is right. The preacher is right. I, 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 I put myself in front. Lord, even now you're praying, oh, take myself down. You be king. Even now you're praying that prayer in your heart. Lord, be king. Be king of me. And I know that if you're praying that prayer now, God, he's well pleased. He's well pleased. Let's move on quickly to my second point because uh, searching for the king. Jesus goes on to say something very important about his kingdom. He was speaking to the Pharisee. The Pharisee asked him a question. So he spoke to the Pharisee. Then he turned and he spoke to his disciples, his 12 disciples. And he said to them, then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. A time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. As a title that Jesus gives himself, one of the days of Jesus. You will long to see it, but you won't see it. When I was looking at that verse, what did he mean? Well, when he was speaking to the twelve, he was saying to them that when I go to the cross, when I die on that cross, it will be an end of my preaching ministry. You will long to hear my voice crying out in the wilderness. You will long for the day when we were in the boat together and the storm was raging and I stood up and I said, peace. Be still and the storm calm. You will long for one of those days. You will long for one of these days when I will speak to the paralyzed man or I will speak to the man born blind and his eyes will be open. You will long for one of those days. You will long for one of those days when I will come to a tomb and say, open the grave and call out, Lazarus, come out. You will long for one of those days but you would not see him. And it's true. He went to the cross and died. And for 40 days, 
there was silence in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came in power and in strength and did the work that Jesus was doing through them. It's wonderful. But how about bringing it to our day? Away from the twelve now to the disciples in this day and age. I hate to say it, but it's going to be true. The truth is this. A time is coming when we will long for a day when we will hear the preaching of God's word. A time will come, and it will come, when we will long for a day when we will see the authentic power of God being displayed in our generation, in our time. A time will come where there will be a day when we will long to see people weeping and crying and being broken before God and say, Lord, be king of my life. We will long for those days. And Jesus says, you will long for it, but you will not see it. Look at this prophecy in the Old Testament. Amos, he preaches about that day. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord. When I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Listen. You think that's strange? It's happening already in most parts. 90% of the world today are people struggling to find the word of God being proclaimed in their local country, in their local community. But what's happening in parts of the world is going to happen in the West as well. A time is coming where people will long to hear God's words but they will not be able to. I was speaking to a man called Pascal. Pascal was quite a wealthy man. He owns a large land in France. Um, his business was selling vehicles and their parts. And I had a conversation with him. It was a bit broken because his French was very good. His English was very good. My French was very bad, but um, we, we, we got through quite well. And he asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, ah, that's a good question. How long have you got? I said to him, I'm a pastor of a church and I preach the gospel. Ah, he goes to me, I hear about the churches in England. They do a lot of singing in the churches in England. I goes, yeah, we, you know. He said they do a lot of holding hands as well, but I said, no, we don't really do that in our church. But they do a lot of singing in, 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 in the churches in England. I goes, yeah, yeah, we do. He goes, Churches in France, he goes, we don't go. They're dead. And I was sad to hear that. Because it's true. You can drive from church to church to another church in France. You can drive into Switzerland, a great nation that produced great men like John Calvin. And, and you'll find churches there completely empty. 
Don't even go that far. Why don't we get in our car and go to Wales or, or drive up to Scotland or maybe go down to the coast to Cornwall. You will find church buildings there empty and void of any life. Why is that? I tell you why. Because there's a famine of the word of God, even now in this land. You come here to go to oh, we come here because we hear the word being preached. But I want to tell you, a day is coming where this voice will be silenced. And a day is coming where this building will be no more. And there'll be no preaching, no witnessing, no power of God in this area. A time is coming when this will take place. Call that a prophecy if you want, but I'm going to read in the Bible. What is the answer? I'll tell you what the answer is. Make every effort to seek God now. That's the answer. Make every effort to be filled with the Spirit of God now. Make every effort to draw close to God now. That's what you need to do. There's a film that we watched as a family some time ago. Um, it's called something like 10 Cloverland Lane or something like that. I can't be sure what it was called, but 10 Cloverland something. It's a film about aliens. Don't worry about it. But... Um, <laughs> But there's one part of the film that was very interesting. The man knew that the world was going to be taken over and so he made a bunker under the ground and in the bunker he stored up food and clothing and everything he needed to be in this bunker for a long period of time. He made provision for the end. I want to say to you this morning, you and I need to make provision by storing up the word of God in our hearts. That's the only way. Because a time will come where there will be no more preaching. There will be no more miracles. The Spirit of God will be barren in this land. What are you going to do? You need to make sure that this is stored deep within your heart and soul. Jesus is saying, men will stagger. God promises this will happen. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Praise God, we have it today. But be sure, it's not always going to be available. Be sure that my voice will be silenced. Be sure that one day, this building will not be here. Be sure of it. Some people might say, oh, I love this building. It's going to be here forever. British Home Stores closed its doors after 88 years. Woolworths is gone. CNAs is finished. The, although the church will last, and the gospel will be eternal, this building, this building going to go. What are you going to do then? If you do not store up the word of God, you will not be prepared for the coming of Christ. Let's move on, shall we? Because um, I'm hanging on this point a bit too long. Searching for the king. My final point then is rejecting the king. Even though Jesus is going to say that there's going to be great decline, even though he says that there's going to be a great 
falling away. People will struggle to hear the word of God. Men will still try to make money on the back of Jesus. Still, look what it says. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. People will still want to make money off of Jesus. And they will turn around and say, you know, Jesus is over here. Or I've heard it already, even in this country, a man somewhere up north, that I am Jesus Christ. And this wife of mine, she's Mary Magdalene. We smile. But he was on Good Morning Television saying the same thing. And you get churches that will turn around and say, well, if you want to meet Christ, you have to come to our church. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to come here. There was a big movement some years ago over in Canada, in Toronto. And they said, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you need to get on an aeroplane and fly to Toronto. And when you get there, then you will meet the Holy Spirit. Running off after them. If you want to know how to meet with God... You don't have to go running here and running there. Jesus tells you how to meet with him. And he turns around in Acts 1.8, 1.4, and he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. But wait. Wait in my presence Wait, wherever you might be, in London, in England, in Toronto, wherever you may be, you're going to wait before him and say, oh God, I want to meet with you and I want to be filled with your spirit. Lord, I'm I'm going to meet with you where I am. You can meet with God here in Goldie's Church. You don't have to go anywhere else. And Jesus turned around and said, people will come and they will say at the end, you know, you will find Jesus Christ over in America. You'll find Jesus Christ on the next private jet landing off the coast of some African state. I am Jesus Christ. People will stand up there and people will believe them. That is going to happen. You think it might be ridiculous? But that's going to happen. No. If you want to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus tells you how. You meet with him where you're sitting in that chair. You wait upon him. You say, Lord, I need you. I need to meet with you. And he'd be willing to meet with you wherever you may be. Praise God. You know, there's a legal term or a term that people use and they say things like, I want to have my day in court. You heard that, haven't you? I want to have my day in court. What I mean is that they want to get an opportunity to get in front of a judge and to put their case before the judge. And they say, I'm going to looking forward to having my day in court. Well, Jesus says, I'm going to have my day. Look what it says. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. For the Son of Man in his day... Jesus is going to have his day. Everyone else had had their day. They have tried to discredit Jesus. They have tried to bury Jesus. They have tried to lie about Jesus. 
They try to pretend to be Jesus. They try to deny Jesus. But Jesus says, they've done all these things. But I'm going to have my day where I'm going to be able to step on the center stage, as it were, of the earth history, and I'm going to silence every single person who turned around and tried to discredit me and try to put me down and try to say I did not exist. I am going to have my day. The Son of Man on his day. Praise be to God. And that's what he says over in Matthew. He turns around and says, there then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and in all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Listen to what he says. Not some of the people will see him. All of the people of the earth will see him. He will have his day. Praise be to God. You know, I haven't been in the middle of in the Middle East. I haven't seen thunderstorms in the Middle East, but I've seen some in the country. And if you've been in the country and you see a, a, a lightning storm and you can look around for miles, and when the lightning flashes, the whole sky lights up. We don't really see it around in, in the cities because we've got houses and lights and so on and so forth. But in the country, you see it very clearly. A lightning storm and, and the whole Sky lights up. Well, Jesus says, you know, when I come again, in fact, when I first came, he says, there was a star. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Anyway, having a star when you're born is pretty incredible to, to appear in the east. Wonderful, bright star. But Jesus said, you know, that's not good enough. When I come the second time, there's not going to be a star. The whole sky is going to light up. When I come again. Some people might have missed the star. You know, I mean, you might have gone to sleep. They've been working throughout the day. They went to sleep and the star was up at night. They woke up in the morning and they missed the star. But Jesus said, you know, when I come again, nobody is going to miss my second coming. Nobody. It's going to be so dramatic, so amazing, that even when the sun is shining in its brightness, there will be a flash of light greater than the light of the sun. And he says, that is going to happen. And as I close, he says this, but something else must happen first. He puts a but right there when he's speaking to the disciples. But, and he says this, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Something must happen first. There's no ifs, maybes, but he's absolutely sure that this thing will take place. He must suffer first. Why? Because somebody had to stand in your place and take your punishment for sin. Somebody had to stand between God and you. Somebody had to say, Lord, forgive them. 
Somebody had to say, I take their guilt and their sin upon myself. Somebody had to be the scapegoat. Somebody had to be the Lamb of God. And that person was Jesus Christ. And he took the wrath of God for you and for me. But not only did he suffer many things, but Jesus said he had to be rejected by this generation. Read your Bibles. When they had Jesus on the cross and and Pilate says, who do you want me to release? This man, Jesus of Nazareth, And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. We don't want this man to rule over us. And that generation rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say this morning, we live in another generation. We have several generations here, even in this church. And this generation is saying exactly the same thing as that generation. Away with him. Away with him. We don't want this Jesus to rule over us. We don't want this man to be king over us. Away with him. And so we've got young children, eight and nine and ten years old, saying, we don't want Jesus. We have teenagers growing up in their teens, and they say, away with him. We don't want him. We have young men and women growing up, being married and, and going on in their lives, and they say, we do not want Jesus. Don't want him. He was rejected over 2,000 years ago. And this king is being rejected today. But the Son of Man will have his day. If you're hearing my voice this morning, whether on the internet or here this morning, if you're hearing my voice today, my prayer is for you that you will not reject Christ, but you will make him king of your life. You will turn around and say, you know what? I'm interested in what's going to happen at the end. And in the next few weeks, I'll be unfolding what will be happening towards the end. And as you think about that, you can be making yourself ready for what will take place. And the first step in making yourself ready is to make sure that the right king is reigning in your life. That's the first step. Is Christ king? Or is self calling the shots? May I encourage, I beseech you with all my heart that Jesus Christ will become the king and the lord of your life. Ez was mentioned on Thursday and he made a good point on Thursday. And he said on the Thursday meeting that we had, he turned around and he said, it's not enough for Jesus to be Lord. It's not enough for Jesus to be Savior. It's not enough. Right, it's, he must be Lord as well. Not enough for him to redeem you from the old life. He must be King as well. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, I thank you with all my heart, Lord, that the kingdom of God is coming. It's already here. It's within every single person who made you king. Even this morning, as I preach, there have been people here, I can, I can tell in my spirit, have been making you king, even in their hearts, in this past half hour. They've been dethroning themselves and putting themselves down and saying to you, Lord, be king, be king, be king in my life. And I thank you for that, Lord. Your kingdom has already come. It's there within us. But, oh, Lord, we long for your kingdom to be established here on earth. We long, Lord, for the kingdom of men to be dismantled and taken down. For their kingdom is a reign of violence and terror. But your kingdom is a reign of righteousness and love. So we long for your kingdom. Oh God, hear my prayer. I realize that one day, Lord, a time will come where this preacher will stop preaching. A time will come, Lord, when this church will close its doors for the last time. A time will come when people will wonder where they can go to hear the word of God. A time will come, but oh Lord, Make us ready by drawing close to you, we pray. In Jesus' name.